Let's go ahead and thank our design team that has this place looking festive. Can we give it up for everything they've done? We're celebrating the birth of Jesus together this month. And also in the West Entry, they've created a space where you can take pictures. Not just on Christmas Eve, but any weekend, family and friends. You celebrate those relationships too. So have fun with the pictures. We're grateful for the creatives at our church. Also, these next couple weeks coming up, it is the best time of the year to invite someone. And people are responsive. People are curious about Jesus. And God has brought people into your life already. You've been building relationships during the year. And how do you proceed when it comes to Christmas? You know, here's the two steps. First, pray. Just pray and say, God, who is it in my life that I could invite and reach out to? Because one invitation can be transformative. And there's a lot of people that wouldn't come unless they're personally invited. So God, help me. Give me courage this year. And then the second one, you take a relational risk. And that's how God works in our lives in so many ways. Pray, listen to God, and then take a relational risk. And as you do that, trust God with the results. And I'm telling you, this is a time of the year where people draw near to Jesus and hearts are open. So let's make the most of our opportunities together these next couple weeks as a church family reaching out with people that we love. Also today, we have the elders who are ready to pray with us, for us. At the end of this message, we do this once a month. It comes from James chapter five in the Bible where the Bible says, have the elders ready to pray and oil and anoint people. Who needs prayer today? So if you wanna put your trust in Christ today, if you have physical needs in your body, you're going through maybe cancer, you have a cyst or back pain, it's a time to come forward for prayer. Maybe there's relational healing and restoration that's needed. Come forward for prayer. Couples come forward for prayer. This is a house of prayer, amen? There's no shame in, in prayer. God moves powerfully when we seek him and humble ourselves and pray. And that's what's happening at our church right now. We give God all the glory for that. Our series is called Holy Moments. And our lives are filled with holy moments where God intervenes, God steps in with his presence and his power. And we wanna become more aware of God's presence, appreciate what he's doing in our lives. And in the month of December, we're highlighting how God pursues us with Christmas and the father sends his son. And then as we step into January, this will be the eighth year where we begin the year with three weeks of fasting and praying and we're seeking God. It's two sides of the same coin. God pursues us and draws near to us, and we also pursue God and draw near to God. And in this series, Holy Moments, the moments, they link together. They're not random or accident. God steps in and intervenes, and these moments are connected in your life. They're transformative. They're catalytic. They bring about shifts. We understand who God is and what he's doing, and our eyes are open to God. They bring shifts. They can bring a consistency, and this movement that God has begun and continues, and it will never stop. It's indestructible and eternal. The movement is linked through many different moments. Jesus' birth is one of those moments. We're gonna focus on the arrival of Christ today. We're in Isaiah chapter nine, if you brought a Bible. If you wanna find it on your phone, dive into God's word. It's our joy, it's our nourishment to get into the scripture together. We're gonna to be in Isaiah chapter nine, the arrival of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you're here with us, that you never leave us or forsake us, that you are faithful to your promises. And today, God, we wanna thank you for our family. We wanna thank you for our church. Thank you for the ways that you provide for us. Jesus, thank you that you are patient and merciful with us.
and for your sacrifice, your resurrection. We give you praise today. God, please give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may see you and know you better, trust you more. And we pray in your name, Lord, amen. The word Advent means coming, an arrival, the arrival of Jesus Christ. Now, as a child, maybe you had a calendar and you had chocolates each day. Our kids celebrate this. They enjoy this tradition. And every day there's another chocolate. And as you eat a chocolate each day, or sometimes you just wait and eat five in one day, uh, however you want to ration it out, that sweetness and goodness of the chocolate is designed to point to a greater and deeper goodness. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And this nearness to Christmas and the birth of Jesus, we want to draw near with anticipation. We wanna give God our attention today. And ultimately, because he loves us perfectly, we want to also respond in worship and with our affection. As we look today at three Advent questions, these are designed to help us enter into the moment. Don't just go through the month of December kind of distracted, kind of half-hearted, you know, just going through the motions, but enter into these holy moments that God has Because Jesus wants to deliver us from junk and sin and negative thinking and bad attitudes, deliver us so that we can draw near to him and abide with him and then dive into some deep kingdom joy. And we're gonna see this in the scripture today. The first question, why does Jesus pursue us? Why is Jesus pursuing you right now? The truth in three words is that we need Jesus. And underneath all the layers of our life and underneath whatever the outside story and whatever we post on social media and the clothes we chose today, underneath everything going on and all of the fronts, if you really get down to the core of our lives, you can say these three words, we need Jesus. And God's not surprised by that truth, but sometimes we're stubborn to acknowledge that and really embrace the Lord. And that was true as Isaiah wrote this. The people during that time, there were a lot of hard hearts. There was a lot of cynicism, skepticism. There was dead religion. And this is a very important passage in Isaiah chapter nine, starting in verse one. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. Isaiah wrote this over 600 years before Jesus was born. It's important to note Jesus always existed. He is our creator. He was not created at any point. But over 2,000 years ago, God, Jesus, the Son, one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus came to the earth and he became human, fully God and fully human. And Isaiah's prophesying about this and he's describing some places that it's important for us to unpack because context is important. Two places he mentions, Zebulun and Naphtali. Well, where are those? We have a map here, and you'll notice that they're in the northern part of Israel. Now, about a 1,000 years before Christ, the 12 tribes were united. But then there was strife and division. It can happen sometimes in families and friendships. And there's 10 tribes in the north, that's Israel. Two in the south, that's Judah. In the north, you see Naphtali right there. Well, in the north, there are invasions that come from Assyria. Assyria is a neighbor that wants to take the Israelites down. 
And there's repeated invasions, 734, 732. The Assyrians are coming again and coming again. They come to steal, kill, and destroy. And then in 722, there's a captivity in Israel, the 10 tribes, as the Syrians invade. Have you ever had any attacks where you make it through one round and then there's a repeat and you didn't want it or expect it? The Assyrians come in 734 and then they come again in 732. You know, about a year ago, I had COVID and I thank God, uh, he fully restored me. And then recently, I had a second round of COVID, right? That attack and that invasion. And again, I'm negative. God restored me. I'm symptom-free. I'm grateful. Our health is a gift from God. Let's not take it for granted. Uh, but sometimes in life, there's a repeat. And you're thinking another invasion, another attack. You're coming back for more. And it reminds us that there is a battle that's intense and we need the Lord's protection. And we need to continue to pray and ask the Lord for his protection and his deliverance. And as they went through those attacks, it was a humbling time. And sometimes, you know, their rebellion was a factor. It wasn't just the Assyrians, but they rebelled against God and they were humbled. In addition to those attacks, they ended up feeling a lot of gloom, shame, distress. They were exhausted. That was the mood at that time as Isaiah's describing it. And yet the prophet redirects them because we don't wanna stay in any shame or gloom and he redirects them to a future time where Jesus is coming in that very same area in the north where the Assyrian invasions came. Now Jesus will come to places like Galilee and Capernaum. And when he comes, Jesus brings hope. And when he comes, he brings his presence and his power and that makes all the difference. So if you're here today and you've had some gloom and shame, Jesus is coming to deliver you. He's coming to lift your head and take you out of that season of discouragement, just like the prophet's describing here. And that message, yeah, 10 people ready to be delivered from that today. That's good news. That, all we need is one. We're celebrating 10. Uh, you know, Matthew in the New Testament echoes and repeats this prophecy. Matthew chapter 4, verse 13. This is what we read. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum. This is Jesus, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. There were so many prophecies about Jesus's birth and every single one was fulfilled down to the specific details, including born in Bethlehem by the prophet Micah. Every detail of prophecy was fulfilled so that you can have confirmation and confidence in Jesus today and who he is. And part of his appearance and arrival was shining light in the darkness. Maybe you've got some darkness in your soul, some darkness in your thinking. Maybe you've got some doubts that are just against God. Maybe you've got despair that's not coming from God. Jesus today is the light of the world and he wants to shine in the darkness so that the people can see the light and see the hope that Jesus brings. The arrival of Jesus is a big deal. When Jesus arrives, he brings a new start. He brings the forgiveness of sins. He brings his grace. 
He brings his kindness. He is a deliverer. He brings transformation in the deepest way. He brings the truth that these trials will end. He brings shifts that sometimes we don't want, but we need. And he's committed to make us more like him. And ultimately he fills our hearts and our homes with his glory and his goodness. And our role is just to receive the Lord. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Say yes to Jesus today. Welcome him with thanks and praise. That's our role. We play a role in this. And you might be feeling overwhelmed today because you're thinking we're living in crazy days. And we kind of are, aren't we? Why well, deny that? I was on a trail taking a walk this last week and I heard a noise that I just don't hear very often. And it was the screeching of the brakes of a mountain bike. And with the incline in the hill next to me, I looked over and saw a man riding a mountain bike trying to stop his bike. He was off-roading and it was completely out of control. And there was just this frantic squeaking of the brakes and he could not get under control. In fact, he was in front of his handlebars. Probably a lot of people here have flown over the handlebars at one point or another. Not a good thing if you're riding a bike, but it's common. And you could tell he was out of control. He was about to go over, but he managed to throw the bike to the side. And the bike came tumbling down the hill. And then he was running down the hill with the momentum. And as he was running down the hill, there was a little launching point, you know, above me. And he jumped off that and landed. And I'm watching all this go down. It's coming towards me. And he lands right on the walking trail looking at me. I did not expect that. And I did not expect as I looked at him, he had about five joints rolled in his mouth. He wasn't smoking them, they weren't lit, but he managed to keep those intact during this whole debacle. And when he jumped and landed, they were still there. And I thought, wow, if you decided to bring your talent under the Lordship of Jesus, there could be some amazing things that happen here. But he looked at me, and if I was quicker, I would have said, do you know Jesus? <laughs> I'm not always that quick. And I just said, are you okay? And he looked at me and said, yes. I wasn't fully convinced, but, you know, in that moment, uh, that was our exchange. Are you okay? Yes. And I was just stunned trying to process that, thinking, we're living in some crazy times, aren't we? <laughs> that has never happened to me before. I don't think it'll ever happen again. I'm not sure if that was a holy moment or a strange moment or kind of both, but we just had this face-to-face -face interaction. I asked him, are you okay? And I thought, these are crazy times. The context for Christmas, as Isaiah writes the prophecies, crazy times with corruption and chaos. When Jesus was born in the manger, I know that some artists have a way of portraying that as being so cozy, but there was nothing cozy about the smell and the feel and the temperature in the manger. And today as we go through Christmas, maybe you're thinking Christmas is cozy, Christmas is cozy, and there's nothing wrong with Christmas lights. Have fun with the celebrations and the food. You know, maybe hot chocolate and taking pictures. And you've got different Christmas decorations that you put out. And all of that is fine. But those are all superficial traditions. And if we're really honest, we know in the world today there is chaos, corruption, and things are kind of crazy. 
And the expectation is that Christmas is only cozy, but I'm telling you, 600 years before Christ, it wasn't cozy. At the birth of Christ, it wasn't cozy. King Herod tried to kill Jesus, and it's not cozy really today. And that's okay because that contrast leads us to Christ and that he is the one who brings comfort and he is the one we need. And in the middle of the chaos and craziness, we don't have to deny it and have a fake spirituality, but we're just going right to Christ because he's at the core. And that's the one we need. We need Jesus. It, It used to be the last few years that people who read the Bible a lot would come up to me and say, I'm kind of noticing some prophecy. I'm kind of seeing some end time stuff go down. Now you know what's happening? People are coming to me who don't believe in God, who don't follow Jesus. And they're saying, you kind of know this, like, is this the end times? People are asking now who don't know the Bible, are we nearing the end? And I'm telling you, don't be rattled, don't panic, don't have fear. Lift up your eyes, your salvation, your redeemer draws near. Trust Jesus, stay bold at this time. He's always been in charge and he always will be. In the middle of the chaos, yes, Jesus brings the comfort that we truly need. God knows that sometimes we're struggling with purpose. God knows that sometimes we don't really have that much passion. God knows that there are many who are fatherless and motherless right now. God knows those who are lonely. God knows that we have emptiness. Some of us have bitterness and we have a lot of stubbornness. We struggle with selfishness. We have weakness. And in the middle of all that, sometimes life isn't going how we want it at all. And in the right there, that's where Jesus enters in. That's where Jesus arrives. That's where Jesus wants to be with you. You are not alone. Jesus arrives. He heals. He knows sorrow. He intercedes at the right hand of the Father. We have a faithful high priest. His name is Jesus, the Messiah. He is the Christ. And that's the one we turn to. You know, Isaiah continues, and he describes that Isaiah has a way of bringing poetry and prophecy together. And he says in verse two, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. In those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And the prophet Isaiah is reminding us that when Jesus arrives, he wants to take away those burdens that you don't need to carry. You're carrying burdens today that you don't need to carry. Stress and pressure and things that Jesus wants to take. And Isaiah describes it this way. There's darkness, death, and despair, but Jesus comes as the light of world, bringing a great light, and there's the dawn of a new day and a new start with Jesus. He said there's oppression. He names the Midianites, and historically, the Israelites would know this. In the book of Judges, it was Gideon who was one of those deliverers, kind of a foreshadowing and a type of Christ who is to come. And out of Gideon's weakness, it was God's power that delivered the people from the oppression. And God delivers people from slavery and oppression and cruelty. And Jesus is the one. 
and he breaks forth this victory in battle, this joy. And then there's a description here where the weapons are no longer necessary. And I love this thought that Jesus brings and a kingdom will be consummated where we won't need any weapons anymore. We won't have any wars or rumors of wars. Can you imagine a day where there's no need for weapons, law enforcement, military, None of that's necessary anymore because the Prince of Peace is on the throne and we are gathered around in safety for eternity. You see, Jesus' first coming, his second coming, we're looking forward to what he brings. He's already brought so much, he's bringing more. And then Isaiah says there's slavery to sin and bondage and patterns. And maybe you've got secret sins in your life and you've got stuff you keep going back to. And then you tell people I'm done, but then you go sneak it some more. And then you're not sure, wait, do I want it? Do I not want it? Why do I keep going back? I know it's wrong. And in the middle of all that, Jesus steps in and he brings freedom. He brings a way out and he gives you power to be all that God has designed you to be as you break out of those patterns of sin and destruction. And he brings new hope. And the the prophecy for Jesus, he fulfills it. You say, who is Jesus? Isaiah 42, verses six and seven. More prophecy from Isaiah. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open the eyes that are blind. That's what Jesus did. To free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Hope is relational. Yes, you can cultivate different spiritual habits. Hope is relational. Hope is found in our Savior, our Deliverer, our Refuge. Jesus delivers out of darkness. And when you feel defeated, see, here's your role. God has designed you so that you can be intentional with your thoughts. You know, the world sometimes talks about meditation and the way they describe it is to empty all of your thoughts, empty your mind, empty yourself of everything. But biblically, meditation is very encouraged, very powerful, except it's not an emptying, it's actually a filling. You fill your mind with the truth and love of Jesus. So here's four things you can think about. You can think about his birth. You can think about his death and sacrificial love. You can think about his resurrection and you can think about his return. During the next couple weeks, when you start to get discouraged and maybe you feel alone and maybe you have disappointment and there's a lot going on in your mind and what gift should I get for for this person and do these clothes match and everything else that's going on in your mind that sometimes gets overwhelming and the life is starting to get sucked out of you. When that's happening, you stop and you feel your mind. You say, I'm gonna think about the birth of Jesus. I'm gonna think about the death of Jesus. I'm gonna think about the resurrection of Jesus. I'm gonna think about the return of Jesus. And let your mind be renewed. Let it be in a place of what this season is really all about. Cut through the superficial junk. You know what you hear a lot of? What do you want? I'm getting you this. I'm getting you that. Well, should we do this? I don't know. We do that. We do this. We do this. We do this. And some of it's necessary and some of it's just dizzying. It's just dizzying. But you know what's not dizzying? Is to think about Jesus and to talk about Jesus and to draw near to Jesus and make this month about Jesus. And it starts with your mind and what you're thinking about. And then your heart, 
You know, we've read a lot about the Gentiles and the inclusion of the Gentiles, which was radical because there was a division and a wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. And for this scripture and this prophecy to be so warm and kind towards Gentiles, that was gonna be tough sledding for a lot of Jews because they looked down upon or they held on to bitterness or they were mistreated by Gentiles. And so to embrace God's vision of Jew and Gentile, that was gonna be tricky because I think of the actual temple and there were different spaces in the temple. The outer courts, the courts of the Gentiles. Now, I know this weekend, some people are here and you grew up in a Jewish tradition and culture, and that is wonderful. Most of us in this room are Gentiles. So when we're reading that God not only loves Jew, but he also loves Gentile, I'm telling you, God loves people from every culture, nation, tribe, and tongue, and that's what we will see in heaven. And it flows out of prophecies like this, where God, yes, Jesus was Jewish, and Jewish and serving and laying down his life for Gentiles as well. And when I think about those courts, there were the outer courts, the courts of the Gentiles. And then there's a holy place, and then there's the most holy place. And for so long, the message was Gentiles, you're not included or invited into this closeness with God like we have it. But God shatters that. The curtain, Jesus the curtain was torn from top to bottom. It's his grace. Gentiles fully invited in. In your heart this season, don't stay in the outer courts. Don't stay just distracted. Don't stay, eh, I'm a little bit aware of Jesus. I'm kind of around some Christmas things. No, move in past the outer courts, move in past the holy place, move into the most holy place because you have been invited to God's throne of grace and you can come to him. You don't have to call up the pastor and say, pastor, I need to get close with God. You can go right to God. You don't have to wait till you're in this building. You can do it at work. You don't have to wait till Sunday. It's every day you are invited closeness with God. Enter in, enter in, enter in. You see what a difference that makes when your mind is set on Christ, when your heart is responding and you're moving towards Jesus. Jesus delivers us, not so that we'll just sit there bored all week. He delivers us so we'll draw near to him. Because as we throw off the shackles, it creates space in our lives and makes room for closeness with God. And nothing will fill and satisfy your soul like closeness with God. I don't care if you get 20 gifts, have 20 great parties and wear great outfits every day. None of that is gonna satisfy your soul. We need Jesus and he delivers us so we can draw near to him, be close to him. And it leads to the second question, what is true about Jesus? Why this big deal about being close to him? Like what's so good about the Lord? Who is he? And that's why Isaiah in verse six says this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Four names in one verse. Each name has two elements. Think about those names. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Here's a description. Wonderful Counselor, God has a plan and he's carrying it out. God has purposes designed from, you know, long, long ago that he is faithful in his promises. Jesus is wise. He's fully God and fully human. He is the one that we're glad to listen to. 
We all need direction in life. We're like sheep that often go astray. He's a good shepherd with wise counsel. And then second, he's a mighty God. He's all powerful because there is a battle and the devil and demons are real and darkness is real and death is real. But Jesus is a divine warrior. He's a battle champion. The final victory belongs to the Lord and he has the final say. He will rule and reign forever. It doesn't matter what people have for opinions. You can't change that fact. He's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He's fatherly. What does a father do? A father provides and protects. Jesus provides. Jesus protects. He's the author of life. He's tender. He's tough. He's eternal. And he has compassion. And he's the prince of peace. The word in Hebrew is shalom. Shalom isn't just the absence of strife. It is also the fullness and the wellness and the wholeness. And Jesus is the one who brings shalom his righteousness, his fullness. He, he does this for sinful people. Sinful people can experience the peace of God. It can be right inside because he's the Prince of Peace. When Jesus is leading, when he's on the throne, you will have his peace. If he's not on the throne of your life, you won't have his peace, but you can have his peace. Jesus brings peace between two sinful people. He teaches them humility and restoration and understanding and listening and kindness and sacrifice. He can do it in a marriage. Today, if there's strife in a marriage, tension in a marriage, humble yourself before Jesus. Jesus can bring peace, but you gotta humble yourself before Jesus. And then Jesus brings peace between sinful people and God, the ultimate restoration and reconciliation. It's accomplished through his sacrifice and blood and it's by grace, it's not earned. Jesus brings peace. So you have peace with God. As far as you live, and it depends on you, live in peace with everybody around you. And then you have peace inside. And this is all centered on Jesus. And it's just like God, who he is and what he does, that he brings all this through a child, a baby and a king. This is our Jesus. And you say his name, you say wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, Prince of Peace. Go to Isaiah 9, 6 this week when you're overwhelmed and just start saying the name of Jesus. Jesus, you're a wonderful counselor. You're a mighty God. You're an everlasting father and you're the Prince of Peace. We need you and Jesus will fill you. You draw near to him, he's gonna draw near to you. There's nothing better. You know, in Sri Lanka, that's a place we've been praying for because they're going through such difficult time there and food is sparse right now. And there's so many challenges. But one pastor in Sri Lanka said recently, you know what is happening in our country? People are turning to Jesus. In the middle of this trial, people are turning to Jesus. And he even said, you know, part of me, I don't want these trials to end. Now it's difficult. We're eating every other day because there's not enough food and we've got to ration it. And some days we don't have food. But you know what's happening spiritually? It's what I've been praying for for decades. It's what I've been longing for. And you know what? In America, we need Jesus. And I don't know what it's gonna take, but we've gotta wake up and realize it. I hope we don't need what's happening in Sri Lanka, but we need something to wake us up in this country and continue to pray for Sri Lanka. But pray for our country as well and pray for our souls. You know, the reason we have drive-through prayer is because we need Jesus and our community needs Jesus. And for over a year, we have a group of people, a team in our church that on Friday nights from five to seven, 
they stand out in front of our church on Auburn Way and they hold up signs for drive-through prayer. And so many people are driving up, walking up, and then prayer in connection. You know, I receive emails and they're amazing stories. And this one moved me, but there were two on the team that started talking to a man. And the man started sharing his life about how he had a breakup with his girlfriend, new job, and you know new jobs are difficult, trying to figure out financially because he's in a hotel and how long can he stay there and how much is he making in his new job and then noticing that a lot of people around him are using drugs, but he doesn't want any part of that and how does he make it through? And they asked him, they said, well, have you come to church before? And he said, you know, I've been to church and it wasn't that great. I just felt like it's kind of judgmental. I just didn't feel a connection. I was really hoping when I came to church, I would just be able to enjoy relationships. And instead, that's not what I felt at all. What a good reminder. I mean, can we make a commitment that church isn't just about us, but the people around us? And that can we pray and care for and encourage and meet and hear their stories and just make this a culture where anyone could just walk in and sense the love of God when they come in? Can we do that together? And they said to him, well, what about a relationship with Jesus? And they had a conversation. And he was at the point where he said, this is what I want. And he prayed with a strong voice and strong heart to put his trust in Jesus and then introduced to more people, introduced to community. And I'm so grateful when I hear stories like that because that's the exact thing that needs to happen in our land. That's the exact healing that we need today. And let's be part of that solution. Let's not be complainers. Let's reach out with compassion. And it's one-on-one. It's just right here in our neighborhood. It's the people walking by. It's the people who live next to you. It's just looking and caring like Jesus and starting to extend relationship and love and watch what God will do when we take that step. We draw near to Jesus and shifts like that happen. Here's the third question. What shifts become holy moments in your life? You know, when God delivers you, it's a holy moment. Drawing near to God's a holy moment. Shifts that God brings, holy moments. And where God is leading this is that you dive into kingdom joy. He delivers us and we draw near to Jesus and then we dive into this kingdom joy. And Isaiah writes this in verse seven. Of the increase of his government in peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That verse speaks of the grace of God because it was a promise that the Messiah would be in the lineage of David. You know what happened with David's descendants and future kings? A lot of rebellion, a lot of sin, and yet God is faithful. Even when the people were faithless, God is faithful to raise up the Messiah in David's lineage. It speaks to the grace and kindness and patience of God. And at that time, when people would hear government, there was a lot of corruption. There were a lot of leaders that were very disappointing. And you could look around the world today and find many leaders in different nations where there's corruption and disappointment. But the news here is that the government will be on his shoulders. That Jesus, right now today, Nations and militaries and leaders, they will be accountable to Jesus because he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He has the final say, he is sovereign and he is the one who will rule and reign forever. And no nation or military or government leader can change that. That's where everything is going. Jesus is gonna return and we're gonna see all the prophecy fulfilled. 
But this shift in terms of Gentiles, look at Isaiah 49, verse six. I wanna end really thinking about Jews and Gentiles. He says, it's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And this light to the Gentiles flows into the New Testament. Look what's happening here with Peter and Cornelius. Cornelius is a Gentile and Peter's a Jew. Peter's hesitant uh, with Gentiles, but in the book of Acts, God is calling Peter to a new work. And listen to what God is saying to you these days and what he's calling you to. Let's look at Acts. And while Peter was still thinking about this vision God gave, the spirit said to him, Simon, another name for Peter, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? And the men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who's respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Jew and Gentile was being bridged by Peter and Cornelius. Peter's listening to God. It is so important during the week, stay tuned into God. What is God saying to you? And because Peter's listening to God, he's tuned in. Yes, I can go with them. And he's gonna go and take a relationship risk because he's prayerful. And you know what's gonna happen? God's gonna work in um, Cornelius's life. God is gonna blow it wide open and the Gentiles are gonna be loved. Now, what does that look like for our life? What is that shift? We saw it for Peter. We saw it in Isaiah. The shift is that God is gonna lead you to new people new relationships, and new depth. God is gonna grow you. God has unexpected moments that are coming this month. They are drenched with purpose and God has a plan. It includes a unity, maybe that you didn't even anticipate. There could be people you've been resentful towards, you're gonna forgive. It could be people that God brings in. There's been some distance and God's gonna bring you closer. Maybe you've looked down upon some people, because they're just not exactly like you, but now you're gonna see them as equals and you're actually gonna serve them. This is the radical work and grace of God. This is what the Jews at the time were trying to process. And ultimately what God was saying to his people is that this is not about stuffy, uptight, selfish, self-righteous religion. This is not about you getting a little echo chamber around you of everyone looks and thinks just like you and then you calling it the holy huddle and pushing everyone else out thinking you're just a little better. That is not gonna happen. It's gonna be Jew and Gentile, all nations and cultures and that's where my spirit's moving. And nothing has changed to today with the vision and the purpose as you go back to Isaiah, the New Testament and what God is doing today. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. The spirit moves, the wind blows, the fire grows and there's no limits. What God is doing right now, it's phenomenal across the world. And what Jesus is doing in this kingdom joy You know, this is the fourth straight weekend we've had people getting baptized. There were two more that got baptized last service. I've been here now, it's my eighth year. We've never had four weekends in a row where we just keep having more people say, I wanna get baptized and I wanna get baptized and I'm ready to get baptized. 
there's probably people in this room who weren't thinking they wanted to get baptized and now they're like, yeah, I, I, I do. I want to, I want to honor God. And that's how God moves. It's not just taught, it's caught and it's a movement. Holy moments build a movement and it's all good when we say yes to Jesus. We're so grateful for the international students who come from Green River. We're so grateful. Three international students in the last couple of weeks have put their trust in Jesus from different countries. It is wonderful, wonderful. We're so grateful for Alpha and the hospitality and the generosity as more of you are just opening your homes. Life groups, opening your homes as more people are joining life groups. It's amazing. We have a digital team. I'm so grateful for our team. We took a step of faith and took a risk and launched a digital campaign with the World Cup. And we've never seen, we've had a few different outreach in terms of the content we provide. We've never seen anything like this. And it's gone from 10,000 to then, you know, 50,000, over 100,000 people. And I just wanna be clear, we're bringing the gospel and millions of people are going through the content because digitally things can happen exponentially, it can go viral. Millions of people are going through the content. It's now over 100,000 people that have said, yes, I wanna start a relationship with Jesus. And, and these are the times we're living in. There is such a hunger worldwide for Jesus. And we're so grateful for Global Media Outreach because they have a trained, massive team that helps those people take the next steps and provides discipleship for them. You know, when I think about our care team and how many people feel alone and overlooked during Christmas, but our care team is praying and reaching out and going there. There is kingdom joy. There is kingdom joy as we look at what God's doing in the next generation at our church right now. And you saw, you know, the baptisms today. Uh, I, I could, you know, talk about our international partners. I could talk about Cambodia, that over 200 kids now are supported by our church family, and the letters that are going back and forth, it's kingdom joy. See, don't miss this. God delivers us, so we will draw near to God, make room for God in our lives, and then he empowers us to dive in to kingdom joy, Jews and Gentiles, far beyond anything we could plan or expect. And here's the key to receive. Receive Jesus today. Just receive the Lord. If you don't know Jesus, put your trust in if you haven't been baptized, you say, yes, I want to get baptized. If you've got sickness, say, Jesus, I want to receive you today. You've got a mess going on relationally. Jesus, I want to receive you today. That's where it begins. It's receiving Christ. Who is Jesus? Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. I'm going to invite the elders to come forward right now. And uh, just like we had at nine o'clock, I'm gonna invite you to come forward and to receive prayer. You just tell the elders, this is what I'd like prayer for. It's not complicated. You just come forward. There's no shame in prayer. It's a wonderful thing. This is a house of prayer. It's God's house. When we humble ourselves, listen, when we have pride and try to exalt ourselves, God humbles us. But when we humble ourselves and pray, God moves in power. He moves in power. There's no gimmicks here. It's not magical. This is simply honoring God's word and the presence of God is here. The presence of God is here. He waits for us to respond and to pray to him and he pours out his grace. So this is a time where right now everyone can stand up. We're gonna worship. And right now you can start coming forward, coming forward for prayer. If you wanna put your trust in Jesus, if you have a physical illness, uh, please come forward for prayer. Let's worship the Lord. Let's seek him together. Right now, let's pray for each other right now.